Arizona straight to the line. There's the snap to Murray. Murray looks left, pumps once, looking, looking. A lot of time. Now he throws, and it's intercepted by the Lions. Picked off down the left sideline. Oromorier picks up a block at the 30, 25, 20, Amani 10, 5, and he's spun out of bounds right there. I see you, 24. I see you. Welcome to the 20 Men in the Huddle podcast. I am your host, Tim Twentyman, and I am joined by the Hall of Famer, Mike <laughs> O'Hara. I Everybody knows Mike. <laughs> and obviously exciting time here in Allen Park with Rookie Minicamp. Mike, this weekend, the rookies were all here, 29 of them total, including Detroit's eight draft picks. Um, now, you know, obviously you have to take what you see out there with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's shorts there's no pads there's not a lot of contact but uh, it's football and, and you get to see these guys on the field for the first time and that's exciting and then next week uh and the week after they'll start they'll join the vets and then we'll, we'll get it, it'll start to look a lot more like football but a couple quick things we talked to dan campbell before the um mini camp practice today too and just a couple newsy items uh joint practices in indy you know dan talked last year about just obviously being a new head coach and and you know learning and he tried to set up joint practices too late in the offseason process last year so lines didn't have any they will have a couple ahead of their week two game um in indianapolis against the colts and, and mike's just what's the the benefit of, of, of those joint practices in the dog days of August? Well, I think the benefit is that you give your team a lift. That's, that's part of it. And also, probably even more, more than that, is that you, know, you get a couple of days of practice against guys that you're not used to practicing against. And look, you can, you can call this like grandfather plays and all that other, but you're going against the same, for example, your pass rushing defensive end, going against the same left tackle for two weeks after you know each other. Yeah. And so you get fresher work and, and you, you really get a, a truer feeling of your players. Now it's not all out in the practices and they can rein it in the coaching staff on both sides anytime you anytime you want. But it really, I think it sharpens you up a little bit and it takes away some of the monotony of training camp. Yeah, that's a good point too. And we've done a, a number of these. Sure. We went out to yeah. California with the Raiders. and That was and, fun. <laughs> yeah, we've done some with the Colts, went to Pittsburgh and, and, and did those there. And there is an extra bit of juice, right? Mm-hmm. You just kind of sense it. Not only in in the crowd but just with the guys too uh, part of it's I think what you mentioned just it, it's something different and and I think coaches look at that a little bit different too because I, I agree with you I think coaches kind of can sense when two players know each other really really well but this is the NFL you got a new guy every week a new challenge right and so I think you can approach this as hey this is a new challenge for these guys and I think the coaches maybe weigh those joint practices a little more than they do a normal Thursday practice in the third week of training camp against the same guys would you agree yeah i'd agree with that and i also think you have a way to sort of uh uh take the, the practices in, in a different direction if you want to for example you could maybe say to the other hey can we run that again but you can't do too much of it you know you can't run the same play three or four times but let's just for example the lions are running a pass rush drill and your guy just can't quite get it and say hey could you run that again well it's that that, that really it's it, you can't do that in a preseason game obviously you can't do it in a regular season game but it gives you a chance to just sort of regulate the practice and manage it the way you want to you know i think one important part of that too is just getting a little bit more competition they've obviously done away with one of the pre preseason games and sure. so this is an opportunity to get two more really competitive practice so on top of the three preseason games you get two competitive joint practices that's five situations where that's good evaluating tape for coaches no that, that's you're absolutely right about that and plus especially when you go on the road in, in training camp 
kind of get a, build a little bit of a camaraderie among your guys. And look, training camp, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a necessary evil because there's nothing evil about it, but it's something you have to do. And I think after a certain uh, certain amount of time, and the guys who've been around a while, I don't think they hate it, but I don't think they love it either. So this, this whole thing kind of gets them out, gets them in a new environment, and kind of it adds something to it that's not there when you're at home the day after day after day. Same place, same scene, same food, same everything. Saturday was also our first time talking with Dan since the schedule came out. And, you know, obviously, I think there was a tweet by NFL or somebody over the weekend, the Detroit Lions are the only team in the NFL without a primetime game. And Dan Campbell was asked about that. And his opinion is kind of like mine. I, not only am I selfishly love the fact that I can be home by 8 o'clock on a road game, but I think for Dan Campbell, it's that way for him too. You know, these guys are creatures of habit, and to have a 1 o'clock game, when they're done with the game, I mean, they're already shifting to the next opponent. They're looking ahead, and this gives Dan Campbell and the coaching staff an opportunity, and he said it. Look, we play the game. We don't have to sit in a hotel all day. We can just... Um, go play the game and then turn our focus to the next week. He loves that. Just a minute. <laughs> now I'm not going to say this too, but I would like to just say to Coach Campbell, Coach, would you rather be three thirteen and one, and have no primetime games, or would you like to be eleven and seven or six or whatever it is, and have two or three or four? Well, sure, it's the rather. Sure, it's the and rather. And be slightly inconvenienced. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So yeah, you're making the you're making the most out of what is not a bad situation. Well, they were already three and thirteen. You okay. weren't changing that with how this schedule went, Michael. It well, then just... do it again. <laughs> no, okay. let's not do it again. You're you're three and zero. Oh, okay, and okay. guys, hold on a second. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to get okay. up. Okay. I see your point. We're going to have to get up late. Dan Campbell was making the most out of a bad situation. And he's right. And he's right. He's right. Yeah. But you know what? I think probably the coaches, they they think less about the schedule than we do. Look, I covered players like a guy named uh, Kevin Glover, a three-time Pro Bowl center. I'd ask about that. He said, all I know is who we're playing this week. He had no idea who they were playing in two weeks. Didn't care. Player mentality, right? Player mentality. Next one up. Absolutely. All right, let's get into rookie minicamp because that was the big story over the weekend. We finally got to see some of these guys. Let's go through our eight draft picks first. I know you had an observation um, Saturday on Aiden Hutchinson. You were watching him pretty close. Obviously, all eyes on the number two overall pick. Looked pretty good in that 97 Honolulu <laughs> blue, didn't he? Yeah, I don't even know. Who wore 97 before? Uh, Williams. Well, Nick Williams. Nick, Nick, I Nick thought Williams. so. I, you know, for some reason, I thought it was 91. I was afraid to be wrong. Didn't want to blurt it out. Well, he was 97. He yeah. was wearing white out there, actually, not yeah. Honolulu blue like all the de- other defenders. And I think the, 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 the one thing I noticed um, watching him some individual drills and a little bit in team stuff, the, the one thing that jumped out to me, Mike, I don't know if it did for you too, is that first step. He really had an explosive first step when I went, you know, with what I saw. And and we got to wait till pads come on and obviously in contact and all that other stuff. But he just looks the part, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. He's 6'7", 260, 270, something like that. Yeah, and I would agree. He's awfully angular, you know, a little uh, linear build or whatever you want to call it. And I want to see how that works. You know, when veteran offensive tackles, can they get under his pads and just keep bumping him, you know, bumping him away and not letting him get to the quarterback now? He, did, he was drafted second overall and should have been first overall for a reason. Okay. Wow. And a lot of that will, t- will take care of it. There stuff. you go, you Trayvon Walker fans out there. Trayvon Walker, nothing. <laughs> I, that's, in fact, I wouldn't. If, I, if, it, if, it hadn't been Aiden, if it hadn't have been Aiden Hutchinson, I liked the guy from Oregon. I really did. Because he had a little bit of sizzle, a little yeah. bit different. That's what I liked. Tip it 
Thibodeau, right? Yeah. yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau. That was my guy. And I like Jermaine Johnson. So look, we all had our. Yeah, but your guy, your guy you liked was in the 20s. Hey, mine was fifth. I'm telling you what, the Jets got a deal there. I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there. Uh, back to Aiden Hutchinson. But, um, you know, one thing I, I noticed too is they used him on both sides. Yeah, that, great point. And so he was right, left. I, and that's the biggest thing that we talk about all the time with him. And that was the talk leading into the draft, was just his versatility, right? Is there such a thing as being ambidextrous in the pass rush? In other words, you can do it as well left handed as you can, right? It's sort of like being a switch hitter in baseball, yeah. I guess. No, that's a good point. Because if you line up, you've always got an advantage. Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe you, you have, you know, you're, you're, maybe you're stronger on the right side than you are on the left side. But are you, can you do both? and take advantage of the, of, 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 matchups. of the offensive line and their matchups. Absolutely, sure. You know, one thing I can't wait to see, too, when they join the the vets is, boy, he's going to get his workout with oh, Taylor yeah. Decker and Penny Sewell, right? I mean, that whole iron Matt sharpens Nelson. iron thing. I mean, that, and, and Matt Nelson, that's but a good one, too. I mean, no rust. Those guys are going to make him better. If he wants to, to, to make plays in practice, I mean – those are two pretty darn good tackles to sharpen your skills against. Yeah, and I don't cover a lot of, you know, I don't watch a lot of college football. They don't cover it, obviously, anymore. But one thing about him that I, when I watched a couple of the Michigan games, and, and one of them, of course, was the, was the Ohio State game. Let's focus on that and not Georgia. <laughs> but uh, the thing about him, he certainly he seems to have a desire to be good. And I, and there's nothing wrong with that desire to be noticed as good. Too. Yeah. I, I like that. I really do. I like guys who want to be special. For sure. And you know, He's got a, and he's got a shot at that Tim. You know, and one guy who could be very special offensively for the Lions is Jamison Williams. Yep. The, the number, um, the the first round pick Lions used two picks to move back into the first round, take him at number twelve. Now, obviously, he's coming off the ACL injury, so we didn't see him, you know, practicing at rookie minicamp. But you know, one thing I noticed about him was he might have been the number one cheerleader on that field on Saturday because, I mean, every time a wide receiver made a play, that was him. He had a football in his hand, and I think it was for two hours. I never saw him drop the football. He was playing catch at one point with Randall L. He was, you know, doing one of these and catching with with Dan Campbell at some point. Um, He's just – he's finding a way to be involved, and I like that about a guy – who's obviously hurt, working his way back, expect, expected to be a huge part of this offense, but finding a way to be a part when you can't be a part on the field. Yeah, there's sort of, a, and this is a good thing, I think, there's sort of, I'm here, you know, I'm yeah. here, guys, don't forget me. Yeah, yeah. I'm here, I'm going to be out there. One of the questions I ask him is, is just, what is it just like to be on this field, out on that grass? And he gave a really good answer about it. It just meant, he said, I think it's something he said, it meant everything to me or something like that. Now, look, there are things down the line that are going to mean a lot more than just standing out there on the <laughs> practice field. But, uh, look, I, I I love the way that the Detroit Lions uh, moved up in the draft to get him. I, this idea of building draft picks, no, let, let's build players. Okay? Yeah, but I like that point by you. I mean, this is you know grit, right? Sizzle. Yeah. That's what they they're they're talking about. You know, and and that was a guy that didn't just sit back and and watch. Right. He, I mean, he was involved in it. I mean, and the the kid from Central Michigan, Pimpleton, made a really nice play and went down the field and. Um, you know, you see Jameson, you know, 10, 15 yards walking that way to be the first one yeah. to smack him a five. I just, I like that. I just, I just like that. He wasn't hurt, sulking, oh, woe is me, oh, I'll watch. He really found a way to be involved, and I love that. Hey, when you think about this, and I wasn't, I really just, when you brought this up, I just thought of it. This is his third team in three years, so it's not like he's got guys he's played with all his life. He was, was it two years ago? He yeah. was at Ohio State. Last year he was, what, at, at uh, Alabama. And here's with the Detroit Lions. So 
He, he seems to be, just based on what we've seen with our own two eyes, is a guy who wants to be a joiner, who wants to be part of a team. And I like that. That's pretty cool. I like that, too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the second round, Josh Puskal. Um, another versatile player. Um, different kind of body type than um, Aiden Hutchinson. You know, a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker, wider, especially, you know, in the legs, in the butt. Um, but a guy that... The Lions want to eventually rush him from the inside. Yeah. He was at the combine at 268 pounds. We talked to Todd Wash last week or the week before just about you know what he sees in these guys, and he said, "Look, we hope he puts on that good weight, gets up to 280-ish, and then he can be a rush guy inside." I noticed, and and maybe you saw him rush from the interior, but I just saw him on the outside today. So I think that's going to be the plan, at least initially, is to rush him out wide and then to eventually maybe move him in or, or do some NASCAR packages, some stuff some stuff where he can go in. But first day of minicamp, first open rookie practice, I saw him on the outside almost exclusively. Well, they need the NASCAR rush. They had you go too long. Okay, so let's get let's get the guys in there and, and get on the quarterback's uh, uh, get on his back. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The one thing you saw is he's got that I'm not going to demonstrate there. I'd try to, but just the rip move, the quick move, and get inside. And really, look, the outside pass rush, the edge rushers, that's great. But nothing aggravates a quarterback more or takes him out of his game than a guy getting right in his face because you can't, you know, you can't get away from it. You'll see guys leaning back and throwing the ball instead of being able to plant and, and, and drive and drive the ball. And the last time we saw this Lions defense really, really good, Mike, was 2014 when Dominican Sue was doing that, right? And, and during that stretch when Indomitian was really Indomitian, that's what he provided, that rush up the middle. And, look, we've talked to Matthew Stafford a bunch of times at his locker, and he even admitted oh, yeah. the worst rush you, you can get as a quarterback is that up the middle. Because what they want to do is they want to see that on the outside, step up in the pocket and deliver the football. And Ziggy Ansah, too, when he really broke out that year with his 15 sacks. And so they had it on the edge and yep. the yep. middle. And that was the difference. And, you know, obviously they were historically good against the run, but when you can get a combination of rush inside and on the edge, it's just a difference maker for a quarterback. If you have two rush ends... It's hard to still neutralize those guys, but they can be neutralized. You know, you you can make them run wide, and you can step up as a quarterback. You can't go anywhere with a guy coming straight in your face. No, and if you get a, like, well, there's there's one in Dominican Sue, really. right? Well, and, like, and I don't want to, you know, say that Pascal's in, in Dominican well, Sue because not that's yet. not fair on that kid. But the, what we're you know, talking about is getting that kind of interior rush. You hope Levi Onzerike takes that next step and can give them something there. I think Aline McNeil is kind of that run stuffer. Mm-hmm. I think he can do it a little bit, but you're not expecting him to be a double-digit sack guy. But with Levi and Josh, I think maybe there's the possibility there, Mike, that they can really give you something from the interior. Well, and a couple things about Levi. I mean, Levi, I think is, is by any measure his his rookie season was disappointing. Sure. Probably more for him than, than anybody else. But when I really looked at his stats, he played about a 30, 30% or about 35 or 36% of the snaps, you know, about one-third of the snaps. We had like one quarterback one quarterback sack and, and I think two quarterback hits or something like that. That's not the production that Didn't he Didn't have wanted. the impact, no. But he, he was hurt. But absolutely. He was hurt to a point where he had to stand up during the – team uh the position beatings because it hurt to sit on he couldn't stay seated for a period of time and what what a, first of all what a way to live right? i know right and what a way to play football not a good way to play <laughs> I football i don't think so but but i think that you know what he said about what levi said about the switch to the to the four or three he said look that's what us guys wanted that's what we're used to playing in college no this isn't college but i the guys want to be you know turned loose and go go get the quarterback and i think that'll 
if they've got the you know if they've got the assets to to get it done enough pass rushers linebackers whatever you want to call them the guys to fill the slots that you need then I think it's a great step up and maybe we'll get back to the old fearsome foursome silver rush days of where they really we're getting like fifty it. sacks a year I like it and you know the Lions move back cautiously you know they're they're you know because they wanted Josh Pascal you know yeah. they were a little worried that moving too far back when they traded up to get. Um, uh, Jamison Williams, and they right. went from the 34th pick to the 46th pick. They uh, they were a little worried that he wouldn't be there. They still got their guy, and let's hope he can give them something from the interior. Yeah, and Pro Football Focus, by the way, said that the Detroit Lions they, they had four four teams that did the best four the, the four units that improved the most in the draft. Number one was the Detroit Lions defensive line. I can't argue with that, it. That unit, yeah, that, the front four. All right, let's shift to the back end of that defense. Kirby Joseph, third round, Illinois. Yeah. You know, I thought it was really interesting Saturday when I watched him for a little bit. First off, I, I, I like the body build. I, I You know, I like – I, I think he can come up and, and he'll be able to hit people. Um I think he's got to work on his coverage stuff a little bit. I think sometimes, and I think more it was probably just learning scheme. You know, when you're thinking about the game so much, you play a little bit slower. I thought he was a step slow here and there, and and AG was on him a little bit. But I think that will, that'll, you know, you know, get cleared up when he gets more comfortable with the scheme. But what I did like about him is I thought he played the sh- more of the strong safety role yeah. a little bit on Saturday, and he played some nickel too, which I think is interesting. And and you've got to like that kind of versatility from a safety. Right? Yeah, I agree with. That. I didn't see much of him because I was watching other guys at the time. But but and I wouldn't want Ag on me by the way <laughs> because he knows how to get on you. He does know how to get. What did he say you. once last year when we were talking about him? He said, and especially a rookie, you know. Yeah, I'll talk to them a little different. They're probably a lot different. Yeah. But, but uh, not in a mean way out there, by the way. Just, just to get the best out of these players, 100%. the best he can. That's what makes him such a great coach. But Aubrey Pleasant's the same way. Yeah, but I, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's uh, they need that. But maybe the, the, you know the, the player they signed in the off season from from the uh, uh, from the Baltimore Ravens, Sean Elliott, Sean Elliott, who's Sean on my first Elliott. podcast yeah, talking yeah. about Was the he? schedule. Yeah, great well, guy. For everything by the way. we hear, he likes to hit, and that's that. There's there's been a sort of a that's been a soft spot in my opinion. Yeah. In the last two, three, four years, the Lions certainly need you know Kirby to be a player, though. I mean, because you obviously think you got Tracy Walker yep. obviously at one spot, and I think Deshaun Elliott, we can both agree, is the favorite yep. there. But if something happens to one of those guys, it's a pretty thin safety group, and I think that was the reason why um, you know Brad Holmes you know went and 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 got. Kirby is because you know he kind of fit um, that versatility they like at the safety position, but they just need depth and guys there too. So I think he's he's a guy that you're not talking about like he needs to develop to a point where he plays quickly. Yeah. But he needs to develop to a point that if he's asked to come in and play, that might be an important ask if yeah. you know something happens to one of those guys ahead of him. Just yeah, because yeah. of the lack of depth they have at that spot. Maybe Will Harris. You know, he's been yeah. used at a lot of different spots. There's no, he, there's no unwillingness to hit with Will yeah. Harris. You know, maybe sometimes a little after the whistle, but but you know, you never know when a guy's going to develop. It, it, it happens. Some it happens later for some guys than it does for others. Like Jameson Williams, James Mitchell, the tight end they selected in the fifth round, yeah. uh, still battling a knee. I talked to him after practice. He said he really doesn't have a a, a date. You know of 
when he expects to be back. He was hoping it was training camp. Um, but another guy, when you watched him on tape in college, blocked really, really well. Mm-hmm. And you made the point when we were talking before this that when you look at him, he's not a big guy. No. He's not Dan Campbell. He's not even Hawk has, you know, got some shoulders to him it, and a, a big guy. No one's got Dan Campbell. No one's got Dan Campbell's oh, shoulders. Please. But that's not his body build. And you see why he made so many plays in the passing game. He looks like that kind of body type yeah. as a tight end. But he blocks pretty well. He's a he's a pretty versatile guy as well, and he's he's a guy I can't wait to see when he gets back. He's hoping for training camp. Now he he tore that ACL in I think week three of the three college football four, season, like so that, yeah. that's about the timeline there, the the start of training camp. So you expect him back, and to see where he fits with with TJ Hawkinson and, and and Brock Wright, and you know some of the guys that they brought in. I think he's got a great opportunity to you know be one of those top three guys and earn himself some playing time. Yeah, and with those five backup offensive linemen, by the way, with the Detroit Lions. Those are pretty good players in there, yeah, most of them for the most part. And, you know, Matt Nelson can be a blocking tight, you know, be a, be a, you know, right. the, you know, the guy who comes in does the swing tackle, yeah. himself eligible and all yeah, that. Yeah. So I think, I think, that, I don't think there's any shortage of blocking for the Detroit Lions. Now, I know a guy that you wrote on following um, rookie minicamp practice on Saturday, Malcolm Rodriguez. Malcolm. Malcolm. I know he's a guy that you like, and we didn't get a chance to talk to him after the draft. He had a family commitment. So yeah. uh, I was talking with somebody else. You wandered over and talked with, with Malcolm. What was the impression of, of talking to that young man and maybe just how you see him fitting in Detroit's defense? I think it would run the next time he sees me because I wore him out. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what. Here's a kid who was a 152-pound weight, uh, wrestler as a sophomore in high school in, in Wagoneer, Oklahoma, and he finished second, and that motivated him. And so he gained 30 pounds, and he won two straight champ, straight, two straight state wrestling championships in Oklahoma, one at 182 pounds. He put on 30 pounds in one year, Jeez. which makes me wonder how much he lost to get to 152, by the way. That's a, right. that, you know what wrestling's like. And th- then he got up to 195 as a senior, Went off to college at Oklahoma State, and he played safety for two years, and then got moved to uh, to linebacker. And I think he's sort of been in that 212, 215, 221 range, something like that. They list him at 232. I think that's a little more than he weighs. I think he's more like the 226 range right now, but, but with room to grow. But, boy, you took a look at him athletically. I mean, I'm telling you. He was a former quarterback in yeah, high school. This All guy, state. Yeah, this guy, he's got something. He's, you know, he's... A 39 and a half inch vertical jump. I mean, a broad, standing broad of, I think, almost, what, I forget exactly what it was, 13 feet or 45240. Yeah, absolutely. And look, they've got something there. Now, he is a little bit undersized, and he's never going to be more than, you can put on weight, but you can't put on inches. He's going to be, you know, 5'11 for his entire career. Yeah. But the, the, the linebacker that he's modeled himself after, and why not, is Bobby Wagner, 6 okay. feet, 242. Well, that's a little bigger. A little, yeah. But when you're starting around the 230 range, a little means a lot. One thing I noticed with Malcolm on Saturday is he was doing seven-on-sevens, and Greg Bell, the running back out of San Diego State, quick guy, fast guy, did a kind of a a wheel route and was down the sideline. Malcolm Malcolm Rodriguez, excuse me, was running foot for foot. Yeah. Yeah, right with him. And... You know, it, the pass went incomplete. And I think you talk about him being undersized, but to me, 
when I watched Detroit's linebackers last year, the area I thought needed the most amount of improvement, and I thought Derek Barnes did improve from the beginning of the end of the year, was just being able to play in space and, and, the, and the passing aspect of playing the linebacker position. I mean, that's such a, a targeted position now by offenses because of how dynamic the Alvin Kamara's and the Delvin Cooks and the DeAndre Swift's are in the passing yep. game and some of these tight ends, and it's it's all a matchup game and, and trying to get those guys against linebackers. And, and no offense to Alex Anzalone, and some of the other guys here, but look, they're bigger, stronger, hold up more against the run than play in space, run and cover linebackers. And so I think that's it. it am I wrong to think that's where Malcolm can maybe find a niche and, and be a third down guy and get onto the field earlier because of those, that speed athleticism that you talked about. I also love that wrestlers know their body and how to control weight better than any other athlete ever. So I like that aspect about him too. Am I crazy to think he could get on the field early and playing space well you might be crazy but that's not why <laughs> but uh, no i think i agree with you and, and and he made it he made the point we were just talking to him there's like eight or ten or twelve of us interviewing him and and he did make the point that that you know playing the deep set you know the deep safety now you get a, a broad look at the game but the thing that he, you learn to do is cover yeah. you know run and cover and and he talked about the fact he talked about that that play that you you mentioned before and he said you you have to be quick and you have to be, be able to use your hands quickly too and i think he, that that seems to be an asset he has now he said look i've got to make this make the roster he didn't use the word roster but i've got to make it on special teams and work my way into the into the linebacker room so well, he's I, smart too he's smart he knows he knows, he knows the he, deal he knows he's, he's my sleeper against. pick of rookies who i think could could impact something yeah, same here. than people think. And I'd just like to add one thing about that. that the, the safety, or not the safety, the uh, the, the uh, conference he played in, I don't know if they ever ran the ball anymore. They must throw it 90 <laughs> times a game. And so he certainly, you know. It's a good know, point. It's like, it, it's like, you know, playing pitch and catch in practice. Yeah. Just play after play after play. So he certainly has to be, I would think, familiar with the passing game. Now, it's a, once again, it's college to pro, but it's the those principles in college and pro in the passing game are more closely aligned now than they ever have been. Fellow six-round pick, fellow linebacker James Houston, started his career in Florida, transferred to Jackson State. And and the interesting thing with him is that he was an off-the-ball linebacker at Florida You know, most of the years he was there. And he goes to uh, Deion Sanders, Jackson State, and he becomes a kind of more on-the-ball rush yeah, kind yeah. of guy and had all these sacks and quarterback pressures and everything. But to me, it's interesting. The lines are pushing him back off the ball. At least yeah. they were um, during rookie minicamp. We talked to Todd Wash, and he said that was probably you know the path that they were going to start him on is to see if he can play that outside linebacker role, that Will or Sam. And you know I thought it was interesting with him, too, for a guy who hadn't played off the ball in a year. I mean, he nearly made an interception Saturday in seven-on-sevens. Mm. Um, you know I thought he, he he played pretty well in space. He's, he's got pretty good speed for his size. He's a bigger guy because he could – play um on the ball at jackson state but um he's an interesting one to me and and where the lions are at linebacker they've obviously got a lot of, of veteran guys there that have experience but there's not that huge difference maker at this point they're looking for those kind of guys we talked about with malcolm rodriguez can james houston be a difference maker at that linebacker spot in your opinion well i think he's you know i think he's shown some pass rush skills now it's it, it, what you know the competition he played against the opportunities had i, I mean I, who knows but but if 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 you have a specialty in the national football league there are places where it's where it it's absolutely vital you can make a career out of it one is pass rusher yeah one is third down receiver out of the backfield things like that uh, 
you know, let's not talk about kickers and punters and all that, but and, and if he is in the in the NFL, what he's been in college his last year, he's got a he's got a chance to make a career for himself. And I think at the very least, if he's playing off the ball, Will or Sam Blitzer, he made yep. a play Saturday as a blitzer where he disrupted a play too. And when you've got that year of being an on the line of scrimmage pass rusher, and they move you back to the second level, you don't just lose those pass rushing skills. No. I think one way that he can be effective early on is is maybe he's a third down guy as a blitzer. Um, he can give them something. Um, as a pass rusher, come up to the line of scrimmage, be a you know a two point stance stand up kind of guy that comes after the quarterback here and there. But he's going to have to play in space. He's going to have to if he's going to be a Will or Sam. I think he stands up really good against the run. It was encouraging that that I that I saw him play pretty well in space on Saturday. He's going to have to improve kind of all those other skills outside of just being a pure passer. I just don't think that's how the Lions are going to use him. Well, if, you're, if, you're, if you're going to be a role player and you can add to it, that's a, a tremendous asset for, for, for both for the Lions and for yourself. And if he can if he can play off the ball and rush the pass, then that puts a heck of a dilemma on the, on the on the opposing offensive coordinator to call plays because let's just say you know, he's, a, he's, a, you know, he's a pass rush uh pass rush first and you don't know not, but if he can come if you can put him in on third down or any passing down and you're not sure if he's coming or not that really adds that really adds a dimension to your defense no, that's it a good point by makes you problems yeah. for the offense it for really sure 100 percent. our last defensive guy to talk about chase lucas great uh, great interview great interview absolutely he, he has the mike o'hara interview approval that's well, key that's a that's a key distinction well, among <laughs> young guys he responded Is that if he to becomes a favorite of Mike O'Hara, and then <laughs> he was good though. Even was he good? I, he really was. That's one I didn't get to. Well, he's been a, he's a, a six year player. Yeah, he played an extra year. I asked him about the, about the NIL versus the NFL. <laughs> well, it's a lot better. The NFL is a lot better than the NIL, especially for guys like smart me. kid. Yeah, he really was, but he is smart too. Yeah, and you know he, he played. Is. He had a, the value for him was the amount of time that he played with Herm Edwards as the head coach played. Defensive back of the NFL, NFL for coaching. 12, 13 years. Went into coach. He was an assistant coach, uh, a defensive backfield coach, and then a head coach in the National Football yeah. League. Now he's taking those skills to uh, to college football at Arizona State. And he talked about how much he learned from him. Yeah. I think he played his almost his entire sixth season as as in the in the slot. So he's had a lot of a lot of experience uh, uh, in different positions at, at Arizona State. Now. We talk about a guy being a second-round pick for a reason. Guys are seventh-round picks for a reason. So. Right, hundred percent. But think about it, he's twenty-four years old already, and he, you know this is his shot. Look, and he's going to get good coaching with Aubrey Present. Yes, and, he is. And Aaron Glenn. I mean, those guys are are you know Aaron Glenn obviously was an All-Pro type player for he, he was what, twelve I think he, plus. I think he played 15 fourteen years, years yeah, fifteen yeah. years, something like that. He just knows the position, and Aubrey Pleasant is an up-and-comer. He's going to be a defensive coordinator sooner rather than later. Um, they get a lot out of those young guys. We saw it last year with A.J. Parker, right, Jerry Jacobs, yeah. all those young guys, undrafted guys uh, that just came in and were able to make an impact because uh, of, you know, in part because of, of the coaching that they received. So, uh, look, he's a seventh-round pick. That, that that That's better than where A.J. Parker and Jerry Jacobs sure, came yeah, in absolutely. last year. And those guys, um, you know, hashed out pretty good rookie years. 
um, and are going to be impact guys. So, look, the kid's going to have an opportunity to compete and play, especially if, if he plays in the nickel. Uh, you like where A.J. Parker's at. Mike Hughes, the veteran who they signed, can, can play there as well. But I think that's more of an open spot. I think there's some pretty good competition on the outside between some vets and, and some young guys. But that nickel spot, I think if, if he can come in there and show that he can make plays from the nickel, I think there's an opportunity to at least make the team there. You know, and that, and that, uh, that position has grown in, in, in importance year by year by year. I mean, look, when they put out three receivers, you better have three good defensive backs. They put out four, you better have four. And they play five. You just can't go, well, what do we do? Yeah. You've got, you've got to be able to cover. You can't, in the National Football League in, in this era, you can't win if you can't cover. Or, or whatever, however you do it, either by the pass rush, secondary, whatever. But you better be able to get off the field on third down in passing situations, or you can't win. An important position. That's yeah. why you know Jeff Okuda and, and how he comes Come back. I think will be a huge storyline for this team. And it's a guy, it's a kid. You, you want to do well. I mean, you do. It's not lack of effort. Because he's a good desire. kid too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we covered the draft picks. Now, obviously, there's tryout players here. There's undrafted free agents that the team signed right after the draft. I'm just curious, watching Saturday, did anybody jump out at all to you? Yeah, it's a kid from uh, from Central Michigan. Is it Khalil Pimpleton? Pimpleton, yeah. You know, Central Michigan had a couple of guys drafted high, but on the offensive line, there was an offensive tackle, I think. was a, If he wasn't a first-round pick, he was a second. Then he had a, a guard who might be the best of the group there. But in the third round, for some reason, Central Michigan is, well, I shouldn't say for some reason, because it's, it's good football, period, is what it is. But he he looked good and I didn't see a lot of him because I wasn't you know wasn't watching yeah. all of that but but he's he's got a chance we're he on, really does we're on the same wavelength here we do our observations obviously after, I just say what you after, tell me after every <laughs> practice and he was one of my observations it, yeah. because he stood out to me too now he's look he's what five eight one seventy two so he's a small guy he's that Khalif Raymond type of 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 body but of other receivers who were there Saturday to me. He stood out, yeah. and it was he's cat quick. And I, where, where he really stood out to me is they did this special teams drill where you, the, the ball carrier started at one cone in the corner, and the defender started at the other cone about ten yards apart. And they had to basically make a move, try to tackle him. Yeah. He was so cat quick. I don't yeah. know if they got a hand on him. And even when he went straight line, um, I don't think they touched him. In seven on sevens, he, he made a sliding catch, got up before anybody could touch him, and raced down the field. I I, I thought he stood out among the receivers. But again, now that's a pretty deep receiver group now with DJ Shark and, and Jameson obviously coming in. I mean, you're talking about guys like Quintez Cephas, who was really good before he got hurt now in that kind of bubble sure. spot. So sure. it's going to be tough for a guy. But look, if, if he's got some uh, returnability, which he does, he was a dynamic kick and punt returner at Central. Uh, just find your niche, right? Find a role. Be good at special teams. Be that number two guy behind Khalif Raymond as a punt returner. And then you never know what happens with injuries and whatever. You get your shot. But he was a guy that stood out. And I think he's, if, if he if he can make plays here or there, I think he's at least got a shot to stick around practice squad or something like that and, and be a factor moving forward. Well look at a guy like Khalif Raymond. Look at his look at his history. He's played you know, he's played an awful lot of places and he's played pretty well. And he's you know what, he's a guy that uh, that if you have room for on room for him on your roster, you've got a reliable National Football League professional football player. One other name I wanna uh, throw out there um, for you guys, Obina Ezi. I believe I, I'm saying that right. I'm a listener. I, I, I think I've got it right. <laughs> but the, the, the tackle from TCU. Oh yeah, sure. I, Michael, his arms almost drag on the almost 37 inch arms, six six three twenty one. Yeah. He was doing warm ups, and his arms were longer than his shorts. 
And well, they almost went down to his knees. I mean, he has got terrific length. Um, and those long arms. Um, I just think, you know, obviously, again, we're talking about a, a position group that's probably the most talented on the football team and probably the deepest. But um, to me, if his game can in any way match his physical um, you know, just his stature. Yeah. Um, I think that's guy, that's a guy that maybe has a chance. Well, when you say yeah, when you say thirty-seven inches, I think they really sort of the, the Mendoza line there is thirty-four, and he exceeds that by you know, I mean that's what they want thirty-four, just big, long, well, 35, 36, yeah. 37. I think that's three more. <laughs> Nearly thirty-seven yeah, inch. Yeah. I mean, those things are are trees yeah. that he's dragging around on the side of him, and wow, he latches onto a defensive end. Uh, it'll well, be interesting to it. see. That's that's one guy I'm interested in. In watching um, as we go, Pimpleton as well. So there's a couple names for you guys as the veterans will join the, or the excuse me, the rookies will join the veterans here in a week or two, and that's when we start to see really how good these sure, rookies absolutely. are, how how quickly they can adapt to uh, the the veteran tempo, the veteran knowledge, the veteran skill set, because there's a big difference there. And just one thing, last year, I don't think, in rookie camp, I don't think they had a quarterback. They had one. Oh, did, now they have now one. Now Connor year. Sampson, he, he could sling a little bit. Connor Sampson. Western Illinois. I was going to say Western. Oh, sorry. Isn't that Tony Romo? Didn't Tony Romo go did to t- Western? Did, or was it Eastern Illinois? Eastern, didn't he? It was, either, it was one or the other. East, West. Okay. Was it East? There. All right, see our producer, TJ. Uh, somebody from he's, Western he's, Illinois. He's correcting us. In. Yeah, we don't claim him. <laughs> we don't want him. It was in Illinois. Yeah. Right. It was a small school out of Illinois. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Comparable. I tried, right? Okay. But he could sling it a little bit. It'll be interesting. Uh, I, I believe he was a tryout player, so um, kind of we'll see where that goes with him. But it'll be fun when the rookies that we talked about today join the vets. Um, that'll be coming, like I said, in a week or two. And when that day comes, um, we'll have another podcast for you. I don't know if Mike's going to join me. I might have an assistant coach join me. Uh, but we'll be breaking everything down when the rookies finally join the vets thanks well, tell the truth the only reason i'm here this week is because somebody canceled okay <laughs> i would never <laughs> all I right would. we'll see you guys in the next episode